Chapter One of the Pocket Measure. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Pocket Measure by Pansy. Chapter One The Sum Total. It was just the speck of a house only four rooms all told and those so small that a housekeeper of the olden time rich in blankets and bed and table linen would have thought of them simply as good-sized closets a fashionable lady would have been in despair i doubt whether she could have found room for her trunks even reasonable present-day housekeepers with moderate views and small families would have looked doubtfully about them and wondered where the sofa would stand and what could be done about the large wardrobe and whether the piano could be gotten in at all but to mrs spafford the house was simply perfect i do not know that she would have had a door or window in it altered she had no piano and no large wardrobe and the sofa was just a cunning little box of a thing made by warren on leisure evenings there was plenty of room for their furniture indeed there was more room than they needed one the least sunny and the most exposed to northern storms had been closed and locked and the key hung on a far-up nail in the upper hall until such time as they could furnish the room when they said this they looked at each other and laughed hardly anything in life seemed more improbable to them than that they should ever have means to furnish that unoccupied room the furniture in their bit of a house though so limited in quantity had been the subject of much thought and care each individual chair could it have spoken would have had a history to relate there were only six chairs after all what do we need of more callie had said putting on a sober face as soon as she could after the laugh which their leanness had called forth there are only two of us and we can't occupy more than a chair apiece and it isn't in the least likely that we shall have more than four visitors at a time even if we should they could sit on the sofa or on the bed warren had suggested and then the silly young couple laughed again so four of the prim little chairs had been duly installed in the parlor two of them to come out to the dining-room at meal-time but on other occasions when the dining-room became a kitchen and washroom they would simply be in the way these four chairs with the meek little oval table and the homemade lounge constituted the furnishing of that parlor oh yes there was a carpet on the floor a pretty pattern small figured and pleasantly harmonizing colors not very fine it is true but decidedly pretty mrs callie spafford had studied over the pattern long enough to drive the impatient carpet clerk nearly to distraction for an upper hall ma'am he had asked her civilly enough when after long waiting and many thoughtful steppings from one roll to another she made the selection and named the number of yards astonishing the clerk by the smallness of the cut she had answered him quickly oh no with heightened color and then had turned quickly and bent over a roll of stair carpeting to hide the laugh in her eyes and also to avoid looking at warren for she knew by a peculiar little cough which he gave that he was laughing inside can i sell you a stair carpet today? the watchful clerk had asked her 
as he briskly rolled away the chosen carpet and gave orders concerning it to the cutter oh no said mrs spafford again speaking as quickly as before the idea of their buying a stair carpet and this time they did look at each other and laugh two young things just getting ready to play housekeeping said the clerk to himself as he grew interested and sympathetic and carpet clerk though he was followed them downstairs through the many departments of the great store advising suggesting reducing prices wherever it was possible and as interested in all the purchases as though they had been his friends for a lifetime he was gray-haired and he remembered the very morning he went with his wife and helped her buy dishes he sold dishes on this occasion with great care and by his timely bits of advice saved the young couple from several mistakes so little by little had the little house been furnished their sleeping-room was guiltless of a carpet one had been as much as their purse would allow and of course that must be given to the parlor but a bright rug of grecian pattern and of callie's own make occupied the bit of space between the pine-board washstand and the neat little bedstead these with the two chairs filled the room i have forgotten one article of furniture downstairs in the parlor over the mantel there hung one of those old paintings done in oil whose subdued colors and graceful outlines tell the touch of a true artist so did the eyes those soft tender almost speaking eyes which smiled down on you as soon as you entered the door and turned and followed you into whatever corner of the room you went a womanly face kind and tender and pure with certain lines about the sweet old mouth that told of quiet firmness and strong resolve and certain lines in the forehead which indicated that the resolves had been carried into action a motherly face placid now but suggesting the sort of rest that comes after one has gotten above the storms a rare work of art it was fit to grace the parlors of the wealthiest but the original was a rarer work of god fitted to grace the palace of the king and she had long since gone to take her place in the mansion prepared callie spafford's mother a woman who had lived and suffered and endured and come off more than conqueror through him that loved her and gone away to abide with him for ever leaving the memory of the strong true life she had lived to brood over the little new house where her daughter callie with the husband of her choice were to begin life together they sat down under the shadow of the dear face that first evening in the new home it had been a busy day and everything now was reduced to spotless order the little new tea-kettle had been tried the small round table had been drawn out and callie had placed on it her finest tablecloth none of the finest though and they had sipped their tea and eaten their bread and butter and pretended to pass the cake and sauce to each other and laughed merrily over the absence of both and enjoyed to the utmost this their first meal alone together they were old married people that is it had been fully three months since they had publicly pledged themselves to each other since which time they had been as busy as bees getting their new home ready or getting ready for it hemming and hammering of evenings for all day callie had spent at her duties in the schoolroom 
and the husband stood behind the desk and worked at his rows of figures both husband and wife dreaming of the day when they should begin housekeeping now they had begun they sat in the pretty little parlor it did look wondrously pretty to them despite its barrenness and watched the play of light and shadow made by the dancing flames in the open grate and talked gaily at first then as the evening waned more quietly of their plans and prospects and hopes saying nothing either of them of any fears why should they have fears they had furnished their house and bought twenty-five pounds of flour and a bushel of potatoes and paid a month's rent in advance and they owed no man anything there is one thing warren that i want to talk to you about right away at the beginning of our life callie said drawing what she called their one extravagance a small light rocker of delicate workmanship closer to her husband's side and that is about our giving about our giving repeated her husband with a bewildered air and tone yes don't you think we ought to begin right about that as well as in other things assuredly little wife we want to begin as right as we can but what do you want to give away and who needs it what are you driving at why warren i'm not speaking about any particular person you know i mean systematic giving i want to begin as i hope we shall continue and give regularly to whatever christian people should support her husband tried to maintain a becoming gravity that is a very large desire of your large heart he said don't you know that christian people should support about a hundred charities more or less i know she said speaking quickly and i know of course it is very little we can do perhaps we cannot include them all but the more prominent ones we can give just a little to each of those can't we always provided we have anything to give he said speaking lightly you are to be provider you know i'll furnish the monthly installments every penny of it shall go into your hands i have enough to do with figures for other people don't want to make any for myself so i give you leave to contrive and scrimp and twist and turn ourselves and our clothes and if at the end of the month you have a blessed shilling left which i more than doubt you shall have my full permission to divide it equally on all the benevolences of our boards the comical side of this idea which had seemed to grow on him from the beginning of the sentence finally controlled him entirely and he closed the sentence with a ringing laugh i beg your pardon callie he said at last seeing that she joined his merriment only by a quiet little smile i began as soberly as a judge but the fun of the thing got hold of me why see here dear i believe i shall have to figure a little for your benefit after all now let's put it in black and white twelve dollars a month for this little nest and you know it was impressed upon us that it was ruinously cheap that is one hundred and forty four dollars a year to begin with now take coal these grades burn up a good deal one two well mind you i don't believe it possible to get through a year for twenty dollars and we'll call it that now suppose we put down our board at six dollars a week three apiece you know we can't keep it as low as that because there will be a friend dropping in now and then and accidents occurring whereby things will be spilled or spoiled 
oh i know you are a capital housekeeper i don't say i expect such things oftener than would occur in any well-regulated family but it is reasonable to expect a few such leaks there are fifty-two weeks in the year but we'll play that we go a-visiting for two weeks or fast and call it around three hundred without any calculation for leakages too low you see you would wear yourself into a shadow trying to keep within such figures but for the sake of the argument we'll put them down now clothes even wedding ones will wear out and dishes will break and pumps will go leaky and have to be repaired allow a hundred dollars for clothes and repairs yours and mine and the pumps you know it wouldn't furnish some of the ladies with one new gown but it will you now what is the sum just five hundred and sixty-four dollars counting out those two weeks that we are to visit i don't know who on earth will visit do you but when you add to that an estimate for sickness and accident and car fare i declare i forgot car fare that will be let me see up and down morning and evening eight cents a day three hundred and what a pity there are so many days in the year but then it is a blessing there are so many sundays to take out eight times three twenty-five dollars as sure as i'm a mathematician who would have supposed it well now my dear benevolent little woman when you sum that all up and add something for ten thousand million things that we haven't thought of at all and that will spring up and insist on being paid for and subtract the amount from the enormous sum total of six hundred dollars what do you fancy will be left for us to be benevolent on during this rapid estimate of their worldly affairs callie had listened intently and laughed with her husband over the queer way of putting things but when he confronted her with that appalling sum total she met the laugh in his eyes with an undismayed face and with no abatement of the earnest look in her steady eyes that is all very true i suppose only my dear husband i think you began at the wrong end he regarded her with a good-humoured inquiry if there is any end to begin at that will make this sum total look more inviting i'm ready to be convinced he said gaily don't you see dear that you have planned for the daily living even to the burnt meats and sour bread and you have left the duty of giving subject to the accident of having something left after all our wants are supplied is that really the way her listener looked more and more bewildered callie dear he said speaking gravely i really have made a very low estimate and of course there will many expenses occur that we do not think of now do you see any way we could plan to avoid any of these or what have you in mind what is it that you think we ought to do i can tell you just what i would like to do i have been thinking a good deal about this subject of late studying about it and what i should be glad to do would be to begin now even with our little income to lay aside one-tenth of it for the lord one-tenth not even the solemnity of the conclusion could arrest the unbounded astonishment in his voice why callie dear have you thought what you are saying that would be sixty dollars how could we possibly spare it from our income and live we must live you know i know it warren and the lord knows it too and yet i believe if we should start out with that determination and adhere to it closely 
he would own and bless the offering i don't know dear i don't think i have your faith it seems to me that i ought to provide for my own household first isn't there something about a man being worse than a heathen who neglects to do that oh warren i don't feel in any danger of starvation and i do want to try this way it lies very near my heart i believe it is the right way to do that one verse has lingered in my mind ever since we were married ever since we planned this little home and thought of all the delight it would be i think we can do it your estimate of clothing i believe was larger than necessary i know how to be very economical in my dress what's the verse callie oh the verse it was jacob's vow and all that thou shalt give me i will surely give the tenth unto thee jacob well if i remember the circumstances he wasn't a very reputable party to imitate i never approved of his proceedings about that time nor for years afterwards oh but warren you remember how the lord blessed and prospered him i believe that one thing that jacob did was right and it is that i want you to imitate not the other part of his conduct warren i'll tell you i don't want to influence you unduly in this thing i should like it very much and i believe it is the right way and that we could accomplish it of course we could you know if it is the right thing for us to do but i won't urge it any further i'll just ask you to kneel down now while we set up our family altar and make it a special subject of prayer ask the lord jesus if he would like to have us give that sixty dollars back to him it seemed to the young husband a very startling way to put it he could have argued somewhat longer on logical grounds but to ask the lord jesus what he thought about it was making the thing a tremendously earnest one sort of obliging a man to abide by the reply which should be received nevertheless he felt unwilling to say that he was not ready to pray over it so they bowed before the lord for the first time in their new home it was an earnest prayer that followed a listener would have felt sure that the young man who prayed was very sincere and would certainly abide by the decision which should be reached and the tone of the prayer changed gradually from that of inquiry to something very like assurance so that Callie was not surprised to hear him say as soon as they arose we will try it Callie, and see whether we can pull through but she promptly shook her head at this don't put it in that way warren as if we were willing to try the lord for a little while and see whether he would do as he said i know you don't mean that but perhaps it sounds like it to him let us take jacob for our model for this time at least i will surely give the tenth unto thee let us say it with the surely very prominent but callie dear that is very serious business an absolute promise you know it is of the nature of an oath and i am afraid we are poor to this his wife made no sort of answer only stood with hands clasping his arms looking up into his face with very grave eyes a moment of silence then he laughed i see precisely how it sounds callie as though i was willing to make a trial of the lord's service but unwilling to swing off entirely without a rope to cling to come now i swing off let's repeat it callie trusting in strength from him to make it good and seizing her hands 
he clasped them in his own and raised them in the attitude of prayer while both voices repeated the words and of all that thou shalt give me i will surely give the tenth unto thee end of chapter one